Welcome back to our podcast with Mary O'Day, and I am Rebecca Brown, and the title of our podcast is Defy Trauma and Embrace Joy, and the topic for today that we are discussing is the very important topic of the dread. In our previous podcast, we discussed what it is and how it impacts us in our lives. This next section about the dread is going to be about narcissism, narcissistic abuse, how the, uh, a narcissist uses the dread in our lives, and how the dread marries with the behaviors of narcissistic abusive behavior, how that impacts us. And exactly, we're going to pick it apart. How does it operate. And I know I'm like all creepy because I think that the dread is a creepy thing. It's a powerful thing and even in in a way it's in the spiritual realm as well. Why is it so powerful? All of those things we're going to hit. But in this section specifically as it relates to narcissism. All right, you hear this narcissist this and narcissist that and that guy's a narcissist and what does the word narcissist mean? Well, if you Google it and look up the definition, it is talking about someone who has a need for affirmation and constant admiration. But when we start talking about abuse and something that goes a few steps further, narcissistic personality disorder, and you know, sometimes my radar always goes up when I hear personality disorder because you can see that as an excuse that, well, I'm just made this way. I have this disorder that's a per that's involved, imprinted in my personality, and I I'm can't. Helpless. I'm helpless. I can't stop. Borderline, and I'm not say I'm not making a diagnosis. I'm saying that's not really what we're talking about when we say it goes to another level, causing someone to do abusive things. I want to read a really short passage. And I also want to hold a book up. I'm advertising this. Can you all see it? There we go. Can you see it? The Narcissist in Your Life by Julie Hall. Can you tell I've read this book just a little bit? <laughs> I've got it marked up. All right. Recognizing what you're dealing with. Having a narcissist in an important role in your life puts you at risk for significant, if not devastating, harm. Okay, if you're a narcissist, we're talking about long-term early childhood trauma. So guess who was the narcissist in our lives? We're talking about parents in this specific instance. Um, people with narcissistic personality disorder operate unfairly and abusively with a toxic cocktail of infantile neediness. So immaturity is involved in it selfish disregard so the lack of empathy a narcissist isn't able to put themselves in your shoes they don't think i'm harming this child what must that feel like they they do they just don't go there they I don't, I don't think they even care no and that's the point they don't it's hard for someone who's an empath or a feeler to imagine anyone operating that way or someone who was a parent that you feel like you know so well that they have no ability to empathize or care. You have likely been used, shamed, gaslighted, bullied, perhaps terrorized, and 
added to the craziness told in endless ways that you are to blame for the abuse. So I think that's a good definition of starting off point. Well, and I'd like to add that many times, maybe even most times, true narcissists become leaders because they have such a high opinion of themselves and feel like they're far superior to anyone else. So we often find mm -hmm. narcissists leading churches, mm -hmm. leading Boy Scouts, leading companies, companies, and any institutional place mm -hmm. you have narcissists leading, that opens the whole institution up for abuse. And sometimes like with different denominations of the church, like the Boy Scouts that we mentioned, um, USA Gymnastics um, through Michigan in the Army of Survivors. Mm -hmm. um, narcissists in yep. charge of an institution that not only caused the damage, they thought they were so above the law yeah. that they covered up the damage. And that's kind of the playbook for all the institutions. And narcissists get in positions of authority because of their lack of empathy. They get stuff done. They yeah. step on other people to get to the top. And there's a big need for power and control. Yeah. So they make perfect leaders because they mm -hmm. seem to have a lot of power. And by causing everyone to cower around them, they mm -hmm. do have a lot of power. Yeah. And, you know, there are narcissists that don't achieve tremendous amounts but they have a little small kingdom. So don't think, well, in my home, you know, my parent wasn't a high achiever or whatever, that they can still ha be narcissists or a little in. Well, they're the king of their cas castle, yeah, right? For they're sure. still controlling the institution of the family. Say. So when we talk about narcissist and how it folds over with the dread, because that's the topic, how did the narcissist in your home use the dread? That's the question we're answering. Well, my, my father was my original abuser before um, the church. And there was always severe physical punishment. Mm -hmm. And he would explain, um, you know, that what he was doing to me was because I was bad. And if I wasn't bad, he wouldn't have to do it. And um, he even went so far as showing me a crucifix and telling me that, um, see, that the church crucifies bad people Gosh. in a threat. Like, I have the power of life and death over you. Mm -hmm. And so... I was constantly in terror because I didn't have to really do something wrong, but I always felt like just existing and breathing, I was wrong. And so very often you hear, well, your parents did the best they could or they did the best they could with what they had. And to some degree that's true and sometimes but I feel like very often parents that abuse 
they know what they're doing isn't right and isn't okay or they wouldn't tell us not to tell. It wouldn't be such a secret and a cover-up. And if they know what they're doing is wrong, it means they have a choice to not do it. And so it just always ruffles my feathers when I hear someone say, well, your parent did the best they could or my parent did the best they could. And, you know, the majority of people who were abused, even severely abused as children, don't grow up to be abusers. Right. So we made a choice not to do that. This goes to the spiritual law we talked about in the previous podcast of why it's a spiritual thing and why the abuse is so soul deep. Autonomy means you have a choice. And a lot of people, that's my kerfluffle. What a great word. <laughs> that is so stupid. That is my argument with saying someone has a personality disorder because it sounds like they can't help it. They can't make a choice. But being created with the ability to have autonomy, to, to have free will, to be able to live and move in the world, means that everybody has a choice. Now, we all make mistakes. Guess what? We all have narcissistic kind of tendencies towards selfishness or pride. Everybody struggles with that. This is another level. Okay, the, kind, the level of abuse we're talking about this is soul shattering. This is something completely different. And as you were talking, Mary, it, it made me want to ask you the question. So when you look back at your father, how did in his life, how did he exhibit lack of empathy, um, stepping on other people? Even if it, we know, of course, you said that he stepped on people within your home, you and all of the siblings and your mother he was violent and abusive that way. Did you see, like when you looked out in the world, um, there was some charm? He knew how to charm his way? Oh, he definitely yeah. did. He that's was a, that's a, a BMOC, big man on campus. Yeah. He was involved in um, many of the big, well-known, popular things. Mm -hmm. He was a leader, um, community state. leader. He was a community leader and people thought he, you know, oh he's such a great man, look at all these great things he's doing. Which goes back to the choice thing, right? When he's in public with other right. adults he puts exactly. on this face that he's so wonderful and then he comes home and he's this other person mm -hmm. and very often these people are um, popular, charming, well-connected in the community, mm -hmm. so that people don't believe they could be who we say they really are. Yes. I always want to have a caveat whenever I talk about narcissism, because we know that narcissists and that behavior is laid down in their childhood in the abuse of their childhood, in the struggles of their childhood. And they've made a choice to become an abuser instead of the hard work of healing. And I always want to emphasize one thing about saying that someone has a personality disorder that is good is the lack of change. That's a really hard thing for a child to accept that that parent 
is never going to change, that that is who they are. So even at being empaths and wanting to have empathy, when you go and say, oh, I just want to go and talk to the to them and share how I've been hurt and maybe that danger will Robinson danger no will Robinson danger because the narcissist will use that against you you're talking about as an adult yes as an adult because a child wouldn't have no. the ability to go but I mean like an adult child when you when yes. you begin to pick all this apart you begin to see it and you want to heal that relationship. And I'm not saying that in every situation it's hopeless to ever heal that. That's not for me to judge. I'm, I am saying, though, that it is highly unlikely if you feel that you are coming from a situation where the, you have narcissistic abuse and a narcissistic system in your family, highly unlikely that that will ever change. Because that's one of the hallmarks of a narcissist. They do not have any self-realization. It just, it's not there. Well, and very often when they're confronted with something, yeah. you blew it out of proportion. They come oh, back with rage. I didn't do that. I'd never do that. You just misunderstood. Mm -hmm. You're being dramatic. Yes, you made it up. So. Or they'll call you crazy. You're mental. You're mentally ill. That's what they'll say. Yeah. So I always like to warn people. <laughs> And we're so used to believing their lies. Right. They've already trained us to make us the problem. That's right. All right. So let's talk about narcissism and the dread. Let's get, get on to that. So when I think about how my narcissist in charge brought in the dread, when I think about like the first time I begin to have memory, the first time I can have any memory, like ages two, three, I'm already enmeshed or living, used to being in a system, acclimated is the word. I'm so used to a system that has constant threat, terror, and boundary crossing. It's all I know. And I'm used to living in it. And the, the threat, i.e. the dread that the narcissist used on me was, number one was probably abandonment. And I mean, I can remember that abandonment threat clearly as a very small child. Now, I want y'all to think about, have you ever been running in the shopping with your mother when you were four years old, three years old, four years old? So you're aware of the world around you, but you don't have any um, autonomy yet. You don't, you're not a separate being yet and your mother's shopping for women's clothes and you are bored out of your mind. So you go under the clothing racks and when you stick your head out, your mother's gone. Do you remember what that felt like? Oh yeah, I think most of us have done that. That is the fear of abandonment that I lived with all the time. That, <gasps> that was going all the time um, in my house. Isolation. Narcissists isolate, they conquer and kill, they conquer and destroy. Even though we were participating in community activities, inside the home, outsiders were not allowed. It was a closed system. So what you showed to the outside was not what was going on on the inside. And you knew not to tell. In fact, you would, because I was so used to what was going on, I, I didn't even know to tell. What would there have been to tell? because it was normal to me. Um, 
and you didn't you didn't have family friends you didn't it was a closed system isolated even within school uh, I can think of and we don't have time for me to tell every tale but ways that par my parents isolated me from friends and from being a part being independent of them that was discouraged um, skewing reality narcissists demand they have a constructed reality and they demand that you feed that and you mm -hmm. operate within it you agree with it and you acquiesce to it you surrender to it might be a better word and they want you to keep building them up yeah so if you do things out in public that make them look good oh they love that mm -hmm. performance good grades we were always dressed perfectly yes. our shoes shined looked great and we were required to be on the honor roll and mm -hmm. lord help us if we didn't make it yeah um thought control that they it is so pervasive that the narcissist actually controls your thoughts how you perceive the world everything gaslighting they I mean, there's no confronting. In my house, you just did not have any voice. Our, our narcissist was so powerful, um, and I had one sibling, that there wasn't even the thought that you would ever stand up or say anything personal or say how you felt. Um, I, there's no, I never did anything like that. And so gaslighting comes when they tell you, well, here's a, an example of gaslighting is, you know in your family the way things are really operating and then you see out here other people don't live that way and you're trying to marry the two ideas together and it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. so you just surrender to what the narc is telling you and that's the confusion we talked about as yes, a child they create a lot of confusion and then the other the way they maintain control is terror so if a narcissist is in charge, and so he's putting all of these systems in place, and that brings in what we have called the dread, because it, they use terror. Exactly how do they use terror? You mentioned a few of those, uh, being beaten, being um, controlled that way, punishments, those sorts of things. Well, on the other side of the coin, because we're gonna talk about the lies the dread tells. Yes. And some are implanted lies, and some of them are lies that we kind then tell ourselves. And yeah. sometimes it's the same, and we'll explain that shortly. Mm -hmm. But um, as a child, you have magical thinking, yeah. right? Right. If I, you know, you feel like you're responsible, so if I do X, Y, Z, I can make them stop. And in my case, it was always that I was being bad. Mm -hmm. So I kept thinking, if I'm just good enough, this will stop. Mm -hmm. And so I'm planting the dread in my own mind also by... Yes. Trying to figure it out. Yeah, and you have the default, I'm bad, that keeps you in control and responsible, right? Mm -hmm. Because if it's somebody else's fault, you're not in control, you're helpless. And so um, 
that's where a lot of us get that lie of I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. You just can't be good enough as a child to stop the harm that's coming to you, and, that you believe you can. And that feeds the dread. Yes. And also for you as a helpless child, because you really are helpless when you're living in that home. There's no way. How's a four-year-old going to earn a living and feed themselves? That's why abandonment is such a big threat. There isn't anywhere to go or anyone to save you. But the, that narcissistic threat of annihilation was what, I mean, if I had to say, and that, that sounds like, oh, she's overstating it. No, that is really, you believed that that narcissist had that kind of power. And they want you to believe that. Because Mine pretty much told me he had the power to kill me. Yeah. If I didn't stay in line. And I guess I say annihilation more than the, the power to take your life because they have the power to destroy your soul. Um, and in a way, that's worse. Yes. You know, let you get settled. So we've talked a lot about the narcissist and how they operate in dread and what's going on. So as we come to the end of this topic, we are going to go on to our next section and just start a new podcast. And I hope you'll join us called The Lies That the Dread Tells and how that narcissist has put those lies in place and then how we actually begin to apply those lies in our own life. And the very last podcast, it won't be the next one, but stick with us because we're going to how to get rid of them and how to change your life and live in peace. We know this is a really heavy subject. Yes. And we don't ever want to leave people without hope or answers. And I think when we post all of these, make sure you look in the um, description box. We're going to put some resources that you can go to to help educate yourself and um, to find support groups that are virtual because you don't want to be left alone in all of this. And I don't want to trigger you into making you feel worse, for sure. I hope you'll like and subscribe to this channel and also follow me on social media and go to my website, defytraumaembracejoy.com to receive a free newsletter that includes a worksheet and video every Friday.